0: so today we're going to pray for the faith to break through our situation, our circumstance, our conditioning, our upbringing, our traditions and indoctrinations, our fears and preconceived notions that we might be able to step in to the greater things that God has in store for those who believe. Well, it's always a privilege, a blessing and a pleasure to be able to come and be with y'all. You know, y'all all all know Heather. Miss Heather, the the guard, she's Danny's sister. You know, she made the comment once while she was praying that the Lord told her that he had her here in training because all the world's a prison. And you know, it's true, because the Bible says that we are slaves to sin until we are liberated by Jesus. So whether you're in here or you're out there, if you're in sin, you're still an offender because you're an offense to God. Sin is offensive to God. You are offending God. So though the world may call you an offender, God calls the world an offender. You can be set free by Jesus and be more free in here than many out there. Sometimes it's in the lowliest places that we draw closest to God. So many times, what seems like a punishment is God's greatest mercy. Yes. Yes. Amen. It's his greatest act of love to say, I love you too much to let you go. <laughs> the word he gave me for tonight is about overcoming. Because many want to overcome, some have, and some see those that have and wonder, why can't I? There is overcoming power in the blood of Jesus. We sang the song, There's Power in the Name of Jesus, because that name signifies and amplifies all that He is, because there's power in Jesus, because there's power in His blood, there's power in His atoning sacrifice, there's power to set men free. But why do some have it and some seem not to be able to obtain it? Well, part of it is because some people have been lied to and it's crushed their faith. And what some people hold to and call faith is actually a destruction of their faith. You know, in my experience, I've been in ministry my whole life. My, my father's, my husband's a minister. My father's a pastor. My grandfather was a pastor. I've seen that it's so much easier for a person that has never known God or been churched or had any experience with religion at all to have that instant, just life-changing, true salvation that sets them free and sets them on fire. Sometimes it's so hard for those that have been churched because they've been taught so much wrong that it's hard to grab hold of the Right you got to unlearn what you think you know to get what's true. And we've got to be willing to let go of the traditions and teachings of men to grab hold to the teachings of Jesus. Because the reality of it is is that God is so much bigger, so much stronger, so much grander than anything that we can comprehend. And so often men try to explain it in ways that they can comprehend and control and they pass on what they understand and they limit God. And when they do that, they limit your faith in God, and that limits your ability to be set free. First of all, we've got to realize that we have to trust that God is stronger than our sin. And, you know, so many times we've been told, oh, everybody sins. It's, it's human nature. It's who you are. You're going to fall. You've already been defeated in your faith before you even start to try to believe. Yes, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Every person has sinned, but there is freedom from it there is liberation believe it or not God is stronger than the devil mm-hmm. All right. and no matter what you've been told the blood of Jesus is stronger than your bondage to sin come on he can set you free We're gonna our main text is going to be out of Hebrews 11 starting in verse 6 we're gonna read a little bit tonight about faith. Because we want to see what the Bible says about overcoming. How do we truly grasp this salvation experience and hold on to it? Not just hear about it, try to walk it out and fail. Try to walk it out and fail. Try to walk it out and fail. fail. There is a true power that will help you to stay the course. And we've got to find it in Scripture. Because men are not able to, to lead us to these things, but the Holy Spirit is. So as you're turning there, we're going to open in prayer. And ask the Holy Spirit to come in Lord we just ask you to come in and minister we ask you father to send your Holy Spirit Jesus you gave us the promise of the Holy Spirit and you said that it was so that we could be a witness so father we pray that your Holy Spirit would come and take over and that it would witness to the hearts of the people father that it would bear witness with our spirit Lord that it would teach us because your Holy Spirit is the teacher according to Scripture the comforter Father, you, Jesus, you said you would not leave us comfortless, but you would send us the spirit of truth. So we pray the spirit of truth, which is the Holy Spirit, Amen. would come and minister to the hearts and the minds of every person here today. And Jesus, that you would wash them clean with your blood, not just of their sins, which your blood helps us to atone, but wash them clean of the religiosity and the doctrines and traditions of men that have hindered their faith that they might believe your word and know that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is too hard for our God. The God that we serve is able to raise the dead and the yes. word says that if the same power that raised christ from the dead rules and reigns in our mortal bodies what is impossible nothing is impossible and freeing us from the bondage of sin is surely not impossible or you would not have come and died because that was the whole purpose yes, in, uh, in, in you coming and shedding your blood was to set us free from the bondage of sin and from slavery to that old devil so that we can glorify you not just with our words but with our actions and our very lives. In Jesus' name. name. Amen. 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 Alright, starting in verse 6 of Hebrews 11, it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. Talking about God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and what it's really saying there is that if you come to God, you have to actually believe that He is God. So many times we come to God, but we come to Him with these limits, limitations in our mind. He can do this, but He can't do that. He can do this for me. He, he might can help me find a job, but He can't break me free from drugs. He can do this. He can help me to have a happy marriage, but He can't find the right person for me. I got to do that part. We come with limitations. When we come to God, the first thing we have to do is come to him with the realization that he is God and he really is God and nothing is impossible for God. Right. If he created this, is anything too hard? If he created the whole universe, is anything too hard? Nothing. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So many times we hinder our own faith because we come to him and we're scared to seek him. We're scared to pray. We're so full of shame that we, it's like we avoid time with God. We avoid that prayer. We avoid that communion because we're so ashamed. You know, Adam and Eve did the same thing. When they sinned, God came to the garden. They could have ran to him and said, oh my gosh, we were deceived and we're so sorry. But what did they do? They hid themselves. How often do we slip up and instead of running to God and saying, I messed up. Show me how to avoid this in the future. We start hiding from him. We start turning a deaf ear. Why can't I hear God? Well, most of the time it's because we're doing like this. We have to seek him. He said that he'll give away out of every temptation, but you know to find that way you have to seek him? We've got to seek him. And he is a rewarder of those that seek him. And we have to believe that. The devil will bring condemnation and make you so fearful and so guilty that you won't even want to pray. You won't even want to seek him. You'll, you'll sit there and cry to him about how unworthy you are to, to talk to him so much that you don't even have a conversation with him. He's like, just stop crying and let me tell you how to walk this out. Believe. you got to believe in his love. Believe that he wants to help you get out of it. Believe that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So first you have to believe that he is God, therefore he is able And then you have to believe that he loves you enough to want to help you he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him by faith Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet moved with fear prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith now I know we've all heard that in the Old Testament, it was all works and law. And in the New Testament, it's all grace and faith. That's actually not true. The Old Testament was faith also. It's always been faith. We've always been saved by grace and faith. It's just that in the Old Testament, they were trying to attain it by works. And in the New Testament, the works are just simply a byproduct, which was what it was always meant to be. But they had it backwards. Noah was saved by faith because it was faith that he believed he had a fear. God told him the whole world's going to be destroyed with the flood and he was crazy enough to believe him. But that faith drove obedience, which is where the works come in. He had enough faith to build the ark because if he just had faith and didn't build the ark, well he'd have died with it. Faith, true faith drives works because it drives obedience to what you're hearing. Now, Noah was saved because of fear. And that's an example of us coming to salvation because of the fear of hell. Hell is real. Hell is not a place that we want to be. Hell is eternal (coughs) torment. The Bible says some saved by compassion making a difference and some saved by fear having even the garments spotted with the flames. In other words, they were so close to going to hell that it's time to just scare the living daylights out of them if that's what it takes to get them saved. Because it's better to speak fear and wrath and judgment if it saves their soul than to let them go into hell. If you see somebody, you know, going, driving, and you know the bridge is out ahead, and they're going about to drive off a cliff, then it's okay to get a little frantic with them and be like, please stop, you're going to die, you're going to drive off the cliff. But it says for those that are humble, you give grace and compassion. And It depends on the circumstance of the people. But Noah was one of those people that was actually saved by fear. So that old hellfire and brimstone preaching that some people call fear-mongering now is scriptural. Some people need that. Some people don't. But he was saved by fear. And it's the same way that we can come to salvation by fear of knowing of the eternal punishment that is awaiting us if we don't. But it was through faith because he had not seen the flood yet, just like we've not seen hell yet. But it was still by faith that he was saved. Because of he believed God when God said there is a judgment coming. And for every one of us, every person on this planet, there is still a judgment coming. All right. We will still all stand before the great white throne Amen. judgment and be judged according to our works. Whether we, we, we worked for God, whether we did what was right, whether we were obedient. You know, the scripture actually says, not all those who say unto me, Lord, Lord, will we'll enter, enter into the, the kingdom of God. heaven. Right. 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 But who will? Those who do the will of my Father. So not everybody professing to be a Christian, not everybody even preaching the gospel, not everybody putting on the show and talking the talk and crying, Lord, Lord, is going to make it into heaven. Only those that are actually obedient to the will of God. Why? Because they sought Him. And He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him because it takes faith to do that. It doesn't take much faith to say I'm a Christian. It takes faith to live as a Christian, to be obedient the will of God so it's going to always come back to faith if it takes faith in fear which is what it took for Noah fear of the judgment then grab on to that faith, whatever the faith requires so he was saved by faith even though the faith was in fear and then the scripture continues in verse 8 by faith Abraham when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance God had promised him this land would be an inheritance to him and his children So he walked out and he told him, he said, in the future, all of this is going to be yours. At that time, it was not his land. But he told him to go and walk around the perimeter of it and claim it in faith. So it says by faith, he obeyed. He went out and walked. And it was a long distance. And back then, they didn't have vehicles. So he literally walked around this entire country in faith. That takes a lot of faith. And he went out, not knowing whether he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise. As in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise, for he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So Abraham was saved by faith, but his faith was not in fear because he was not that kind of person. He didn't require that. His faith was in a promise. And that's like those who are saved by the pro- for the promise of heaven. You know, we're not so concerned with the judgment of hell, but Lord, I really want to make heaven. I really want to be with you. I want to receive those promises that you've given me. And and Abraham was an example of that. God told him, you're going to have this inheritance. He had no way of seeing it, of experiencing it, but he believed it. And God has given us all a promise, an eternal promise of an eternal inheritance, an inheritance through Christ Jesus in this life because we actually inherit, inherit authority and power and dominion in this world but we also inherit that eternal life and that eternal sonship in heaven and that is a promise that we have to receive by faith do you truly believe and so right now i guess the thing to ask our hearts is do we really believe in hell like noah did because that's what saved him do we really believe in heaven do we believe in the promises of god like abraham did because that's what saved him Grab onto those promises and choose to believe but it's not just saying we believe they actually acted upon their faith because James said that faith without works is dead it's like a dead body you know God kind of showed me what he was saying there is that it's almost like the works is like the body but the faith is like the spirit if there's no spirit in the body it's in the world but it can't affect anything if you have faith so to say or works but you don't have any faith in it it's not gonna affect anything it can't do anything It's dead. It can't affect the people around you if you never step out in faith and show that. Because people are saved by what the scripture says, the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. If we never act on that faith, then we have no testimony. It also says that those that don't produce good fruit are cut down. He says that we're like trees. He said some trees produce good fruit and some trees produce bad fruit. Those that don't produce good fruit are chopped down and cast into the fire. Well, the fruit actually is the reproduction of the tree. So when we do things, and of course the fruit represents our Christian character, our obedience and our works, the things that we do. When we act out in faith, other people see that and that reproduces the kingdom of God because it stirs their faith and then they're saved. That's why people are saved by both the blood of the lamb, which is Jesus' sacrifice, but also the word of our testimony danny has given his testimony many times how god delivered him from drug addiction and, and from you know all these situations he was homeless he was hooked on drugs and he cried out to god and in an instant god delivered him and so many people have stood up and said you know what because i saw that god did it for you i believe he can do it for me right. they are saved Amen. they're saved by the blood of the lamb because it's jesus that saved them but also by the word of his testimony because it proves to them the power, it demonstrates the power. You know, I had a dream during the week, and in the dream I was watching these two men have a conversation, and, and one man told the other man, he said, why does the Bible, do you know why the Bible says that God's word has to be written on our heart? And the other guy was like, why? And he said, because it needs to be equal distance between your mouth and your hands, because to truly minister the word of God, It's got to both be spoken and demonstrated. It's got to be preached, but it's also got to be acted out. It's got to come out of your mouth just as much as it comes out of your hands. It's got to be demonstrated. And when you can demonstrate the delivering power of God with your life, it will set others free because the devil's telling them it's impossible. But your life can prove that it's not. (laughs) And it's only through the power of Jesus. But he wants you to be a witness. And it's the Holy Spirit that gives you the power to be a witness. Now Jesus told the disciples to tarry in Jerusalem until I send you the promise of the Holy Spirit. He said I will give you the gift of the Holy Spirit that you can be witnesses unto all the world. The promise that Jesus kept promising was the Holy Spirit and the the purpose in it was not for us to act crazy or 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 have glory of me and you know so many people use the gifts as a look at me, look at me, get attention. That was not the purpose. The purpose has one reason only and that's to be made a witness. For Jesus, it's to empower you to do what you cannot, it's to empower you to walk free of sin and bondage, it's to empower you to be able to give that testimony. It was the Holy Spirit that allowed him to walk free of drug addiction. It's the Holy Spirit. My grandfather, when he started preaching, he couldn't talk, he had a really, really bad stutter, he couldn't get a sentence out, you couldn't understand him. And God called him to preach and he told him, He said, God, I know what you want me to do, but there's no way I possibly can. You're gonna have to send me your Holy Spirit to do it, and like that, he was. <coughs> Completely, wow. his tongue wow. was cleared up. <laughs> yeah. And all of his life, he preached. He actually became the president of the entire Methodist Protestant movement for the southern region of the country. Wow. And it wasn't until right before his death, a few days, we, you could tell when that spirit lifted and his, his tongue tie started to come back. And we knew that it wouldn't be long, he'd be going on. And so that just proves that it was never him all that time. It was the power of the Holy wow. Spirit. Amen. <laughs> So let it be an encouragement when you think there's no way I can. Well, God knows there's no way you can. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit. There's no way I can. There's no way I can teach you all this. I'm actually naturally a very shy person. So (laughs) this is all the Holy Spirit, and he can use anybody that's willing. But the catch is we've got to believe. It takes faith. It takes faith. It takes faith. And the less qualified you are, the more he wants to use you because it proves his power. It proves the testimony. Why do you think God chose Paul to write most of the New Testament? If you think about it, Paul was a murderer. His job was to hunt down Christians and kill them or imprison them. That was his occupation. God saved him on the road to Damascus and made him the greatest apostle, preacher, and soul winner the world has ever known. He wrote most of the New Testament. And I believe that God did that for a testimony for all time that the devil could never tell somebody, I can't use you. You're too bad. You're too foregone. There's nothing I can do with you because you can always say God used Paul and he was worse than me. <laughs> and it proves that it's not the person. It's the Holy Spirit because Paul could not do what he did. He could not endure what he did. Paul went through so much torture and torment and imprisonments and beating. He went through a lot and it was not his strength that carried him through we go through a lot and when we try to do it in our own strength it breaks us down cry out for Jesus in faith say send me your Holy Spirit deliver me from this and I will be a witness unto you because remember that's the only reason the Holy Spirit comes is to make us a witness when God does something for you make sure that you tell others about it because he's doing it not only to set you free but to set somebody else free from the lie that they can't be set free. All right, continuing on, verse 11. Through faith also Sarah, which was Abraham's wife, herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child. Of course, we all know she was barren. She couldn't have children, and she was very old at that time. Um, But through faith, she was able to bear a child. When she was past age, Because she judged him faithful who had promised. Talking about God. Though she knew it was impossible for her to have a child, she knew that God was faithful. And because of her faith, he delivered his (coughs) promise. Therefore, sprang there even of one and him as good as dead. Talking about Abraham, because he was really old too, saying he'd just as soon been dead. He was so old. So many... (coughs) So many as the stars of the sky in multitude. And that's talking about his offspring. God had actually given him a promise that his offspring would be as multitude in number as the stars of heaven. He was too old and his wife was barren. But God said, I'm going to give you a child and your descendants are going to be more numerous than the stars of heaven. His descendants actually became all of the Jewish people. And not only the Jewish people, but truly us also by the adoption of the blood of Jesus. Because we are adopted into the family. So, God honored that his children are all of the Jews and all of the Christians by faith. So, he was barren, his wife was barren and he was too old, but he believed anyway. When you believe the impossible, when God gives you a promise that is absolutely impossible, he's setting you up for a miracle. Choose to walk it out in faith. The devil's going to try to steal your faith in it and get you to quit. If you don't quit, you win. Most people lose out on their promise because they give up, they lose faith, they turn down before they get there. But if you don't quit, you win. It never happens usually as quickly as we want it to. There's always opportunity to give up. But stand fast and choose to have faith. Her faith was that the bearing could become fruitful. And this is very important. I think this ties in a lot to people that have problems bearing that Christian fruit. They want to walk out that life, but they just can't seem to live it. Her faith was in the impossible. And I think a lot of people's hindrance is that they truly don't believe it's possible. Either because they've never seen an example of it, or because they've been told by some preacher or some person somewhere, it's okay, everybody sins. You can't get away. You can't be set free from it. You're going to fall. I'm struggling with it too. Yes, people trip. Yes, people are born into sin. But no, God is strong enough to deliver you from it. You have to believe in the impossible. She was barren, and she was made fruitful because she chose to believe in the impossible. If we are barren spiritually and we are not producing fruit, the only way we're going to ever see that fruit produced is if we start choosing to believe that it's possible for it to happen. If you are not seeing the fruit of Christian life, of the Christian life in what you're living, if you're not seeing the fruits of the manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, of, of being able to witness, of being able to walk those those lives out and turn down those temptations then the first thing you have to do is question You know, do I really believe that it's possible All I right. need to start believing that he can deliver me and then he will That's right. it's just such an ingrained thing to think well I'm gonna I'm gonna trip up I'm gonna fall I'm gonna sin it's okay it's not okay he wants to set you free from That's it right. believe that he can before he will <laughs> she was barren she was made fruitful through faith if you're spiritually barren you can be made fruitful through All right, so faith brought salvation, and faith brought fruit. Basically, what we read here were two different types of salvation, one saved by fear and one saved by promise, and then another one brought forth fruit. But it all came from faith, and these are all Old Testament examples. So even in the Old Testament, they were still saved by faith. You can even see that in the story of the Israelites whenever they left Egypt. They weren't given the law yet. They didn't get the law until they were already in the wilderness. So they weren't saved by the law. They were saved by faith. They had faith to get the, their act together to do the, the Passover. And they were obedient to what God said. And He delivered them out of Egypt. So He saved them because of their faith. Was it Once they were in the wilderness, He gave them the Ten Commandments to help them to build a better relationship with Him. And God's laws and commandments are to help us to build a better relationship. It's just showing us where we should already be if we truly had a faith. You know, they asked Jesus what is the greatest commandment? And he said, Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind, and thy strength. And the second is like unto it, Love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the laws and the prophets. In other words, what he was saying is if you truly love God with all of your heart and you love others second and yourself last, then you're going (coughs) to automatically fulfill all the laws and everything that the prophets said to do. It's not something, a list you have to follow. It's something you will automatically walk out if you truly have faith and love God. People are trying to walk out the rules without having any faith in God to help them through it. It's one thing the Ten Commandments says. It says that God, when he gave the commandments, he said, because I have delivered you, you will do these things. And he gave the Ten Commandments. What he was really saying is, I've delivered you, so you should love me enough to do these things. But they didn't have... Faith in who he was, and I think they didn't really have faith in his love. And that's where a lot of us fall short. We don't have a faith in his love. We don't believe that he really wants to deliver us. That he really wants to save us. That he really wants to use us. He really wants us. We've got to start believing that he wants to, that he can, and then we'll start believing that he will. True faith will produce both grace and works Jude 1 verse 20 says but ye beloved building up yourself in the most holy faith praying in the Holy Ghost keep yourselves in the love of God looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life and of some have compassion making a difference and others save with fear pulling them out of the fire hating even the garment spotted with the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. Now we're talking about God here in Jude. He says to him that is able to keep you from falling and to prevent you and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. So when the devil gets in your ear and says it's not possible say nope 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 you know whenever jesus was in the wilderness and the devil tried to tempt him he didn't argue with the devil he didn't pout with the devil he didn't cry with the devil he didn't commune with the devil all he did was quote a scripture if you know the scriptures and when the devil puts those lies you quote those scriptures back cuts him off right there he knows he can't deceive you the word says that the bible is a sharpened two-edged sword dividing between the heart the soul and the spirit and that it's a discerner of the heart you get good discernment when you learn your word so if you don't have a bible get one get with us we'll try to get you one and stay in your bible because every time the devil comes with you with those lies and temptations and and worries if you can come back with a scripture that proves them wrong it kills it right there And this is one of those scriptures when he says you can't overcome this, you can't get past this, you're going to sin because it's who you are. You can say no. The scripture says that now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. It says that God is able. If we start believing that he's able, we'll start seeing it manifest. So faith overcomes the devil. this is how. We're going to go through this kind of quick. You don't have to turn through to these passages. Most of them are just one verse shots. I'm just going to prove a point to take you through what the Bible says is the true um, process of repentance, of salvation, of getting from that point of being a sinner that can't seem to overcome to being in that place where you're starting to move and produce the fruits that he's talking about. The first step to overcoming is repentance. This is something that a lot of people miss. They say, some people will tell you, all you have to do is believe in God. Well, the devil believes, and he's in hell. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be in hell. There's a lot of believe. Everybody in hell is a believer. Yeah. They're not doubting now. The Bible says that the demons believe and even tremble. They have more faith than us because we don't even tremble most times. The Bible says that the first step to salvation is repentance. It's not just believing in God. Now... That kind of plays in because if we truly believe that He is who He is, we'll do what He says and we'll repent. If not out of love and mercy, then out of fear. But the Bible says that we must first repent. And repent means to turn away from our sins. Most people, most churches are not preaching repentance. They're preaching forgiveness. So many times we go and we beg for forgiveness. God's tired of hearing that. There's actually verses where He told people, You weary me with your constant begging for forgiveness and tears wetting the altar. He says, I'm tired of it. It's not asking for forgiveness. It's turning away. The actual definition of the word repent means to turn away. So if I'm walking towards this sin and I say, God, I repent of it, what I'm really saying is I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I want it. I'm sorry. You're not repenting. If you were approaching that sin and you say, you know what, God, I want you more. I'm turning away from that sin and I'm turning away from That's right. That's repentance. That's right. So when we go to God, we have to first repent. We have to choose to lay those things down. Now, we may not have the strength to continually lay that down, but if we choose to do it and lay it down, he will then empower us to walk that out. But we have to choose to let it go. And when the desire starts to come at you, Seek Him. Start praying. God, you said there's a way out of every temptation. Show me the way out of this. He'll help you. He'll give you the strength. But Acts 3, 19, you don't have to turn there. It's just one passage. I'm going to read it to you. It says, Repent ye therefore and be converted. Therefore, before you can be converted, you have to repent. That your sins may be blotted out. So you have to repent before He'll take away your sins when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord and he shall send Jesus Christ which before was preached unto you. So if you will choose to repent, that's your part to play. You're laying that on the altar. That is your sacrifice. That's what In the Old Testament when they put the sacrifice on the altar, the fire of God came and burned it up. That's your sacrifice. You're saying, I'm repenting of these sins. I put it on the altar. God burn it up. I don't want it anymore. He says then he'll send Jesus. To blot out your sins. You have to repent before you can be saved. In Acts 2, 38, y'all can take notes if you want. You don't have to turn there. Like I said, it's just one verse things. I'm going to hit quick to prove the point. It says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So that's another important point. You cannot receive the Holy Spirit unless you have repented. There is unholy spirits that mimic the Holy Spirit. There are counterfeits that, you know, the devil can counterfeit everything except the holy life. He can't produce holy fruits, but he can counterfeit all the spirits, all the gifts of the spirit. So a person living in sin, unrepented sin. Of course, you know, there's times when we slip up and some we don't even realize. Oh, my gosh, God, I'm so sorry. I repent of that right now because I didn't even realize that was bad. You know, something like that that's different but willful sin when you know that it's against God and you're continually walking in it and it's unrepentant you cannot have the Holy Spirit why because if you're walking in willful sin then you're not being holy and the Holy Spirit will not reside in an unholy vessel that's, right. that's why the Holy Spirit didn't live in us before Jesus' sacrifice because it says that the blood of bulls and goats was not able to take away sin A Holy Spirit cannot live in an unholy temple. The Holy Spirit before Jesus' death only resided within the Holy of Holies in the Holy Temple. But after Jesus' death, because His blood is able to take away sins, He can make us holy and the Holy Spirit can reside. But if we willingly choose to embrace that sin, the Bible says it grieves the Holy Spirit and He will depart. So if we want the Holy Spirit to continue to help us, we have to repent of those sins. Luke thirteen three says, "I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you will all likewise perish." First John one nine says, "If ye confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness." He is faithful. He wants to do it, and that's something we have to grasp. We have to remember the suffering and the sacrifice that Jesus went to, went through for us. He wants us to be saved. He was tortured. He was shamed. He was beat. He was spit upon. He did it because he loves us and he wants us to be saved. But a lot of times the devil will say, well, you're not there yet because he really doesn't want you. It's not true. He wants you. But we've just got to follow the plan, the plan, the process. We've got to do it the way he said to do it. All right. Now, if we are willing to repent of that sin and say, God, I'm laying it down. He will then empower you to be able to abstain from it. And I can give you an example by fasting. Me and Danny, uh, Heather, too, several people in our church, we're on a 40 day fast right now. So we've got what, 10 days left? So we haven't had a single bite of food in over a month. Wow. Now, that's impossible. He's, he works two jobs and ministers full time i walked the whole town of Sinsport this morning putting out flyers for a revival. We have strength and power. Why? It's not of our own. But we had to choose. Though God called us to fast, we still had to choose to turn away from that food. The food isn't going to just disappear when it's in front of us. And there are still times when we're tempted to take it. The food represents the sin. We have to choose to turn away from it. And when we do... The power of God comes and empowers us to keep going through the fast. He is making a way. It's all his spirit that is empowering us, but it's because we repented, we chose to turn away from the food. If at any point we went and stuffed our faces, well then his power would depart because yeah. there's we've we've sinned. We've gone against what he asked us to do. So the power is there to sustain you. The power is there to help you to get you through. But first, you have to choose to lay that thing down. He's not going to just make it disappear. You've got to choose to lay it down. It would be nice if every time I reached for food, it would just vanish and I wouldn't have to deal with it. But I don't. It doesn't. I have to choose to turn away. But when I do, He empowers us to walk in strength even in it. It's the same with all sin. Grace, it's His grace that empowers you. A lot of people confuse grace with mercy. Grace and mercy are two different things. Grace, the definition of grace is God's favor, his power, and his divine influence. He favors us. He loves us enough to want to save us. save us. He sends his power to be able to sustain us once we've repented and turned away from those sins. And he gives us his divine influence. If I get tempted to go and eat something, the Holy Spirit's going to say, Remember, you're fasting. No, it's important. There's There's revival coming. You've got to be able to. That's his divine influence that's helping. Now, we can always tune it out. But it's there. It's there to help us. We have to have faith that he will sustain us. We have to have faith in the impossible before he can make it possible. The same thing that I said with the fasting, it applies to bad relationships, addictions, hurts, hatreds. All of those things that we know we need to lay down at the altar, that we need to turn away from, that we think we can't when you choose to give it to him, to turn away and say, I'm going to trust you. If you called me to it, you're going to get through it That was the the idea with the fast. Okay, God, if you call us to it, you're going to get us through it. There's no way we can do this. But if you call us to it, you can get it through. If he calls you to lay down that relationship, he will get you through it. But you have to choose to lay it down, turn away from it, walk in faith, and then he will empower you. And when the temptations come, pray. If it's one thing I can tell you about fasting, you will fail if you do not pray. The more you pray, the more you spend time with him, the more you spend time in your word, in the word, the less tempted you are. And it's the same with anything because food is an addiction in a way. It, you can be addicted to food just as much as anything else. It's got just as much chemicals as street drugs half the time in a way. <laughs> But it's the same with addiction. It's the same with, with hurts. Those things that God has told you to lay down. You know, sometimes it can even be a hurt. Somebody hurts you and God is telling you, because the Bible says if you don't forgive others, then you can't be forgiven. Uh-huh. And you might think, yeah, but they don't deserve it. Well, you wouldn't have to forgive them. We don't deserve it either. But if a person didn't do you something wrong, then he's not going to ask you to forgive them, right? So if he's telling you to forgive them, it's because they did something wrong to you. So you have to lay that down. you got to lay that hurt down. And sometimes that's really hard. But when you choose to do it yeah. and walk away, he'll empower you. Right. And, you know, one thing that God told me about unforgiveness When it's so hard to let it go and you don't know how, he said every time you think of that person, pray for them. It'll turn your heart towards them. And in the prayers, God will start to reveal to you little hurts in their life, and it's going to actually help to soften you up towards them where you'll eventually end up (laughs) feeling sorry for them, where you used to hate them. You'll start to see why they are the way they are. That's right. It'll make you pity. That's (laughs) right. That's right. You have to walk away from these things in faith. Repentance starts with faith in who God is and in what He says. When we truly believe that He is who He is and that what He says is real, we're going to say, okay, then I believe in you. I believe that you are able. I know who you are. So if you say to fast, I'm going to lay it down. It takes the faith, but really the faith is in Him. And it's the same with anything that you're going through. You have to believe that He can and then He will. Because if you don't believe that He can then you have more faith in the devil's power, the addiction's power, the sin's power, than God's power. If you really don't believe that he can deliver you, then you're putting more faith in the enemy than in God. He's not going to move under that. He's not going to move under that. Believe that he can and that he wants to. And step out in faith. You've got to prove that faith. Remember, all these people in the Old Testament, they believed, but they did something about their belief. They believed. They stepped out in faith. And for us, that repentance is part of that acting on that faith. Okay, I believe it enough to lay this thing down, and I'm going to walk away, and he's going to help me get through it. You have to believe that God is God, and that he is strong enough to set you totally free, and he will. Choose to turn away from your sin, and believe that he is better, stronger, and more worthy of your faith and attention than the enemy and his lies, and seek God fervently for deliverance. Remember, he is a rewarder of those that seek him seek Him, pray, pray, pray. The Bible says to pray fervently, which means just really breaking down and praying. So then that brings us to salvation. Ephesians 2, verse 8 through 10 says, For by grace are we saved through faith. I mean, salvation only comes by faith. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, for it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So he's saying you are ordained to walk in good works, and he created you to do good works, but it's not the works that save you. You are saved by grace, which is the power to overcome, which comes how? By faith. So when we choose to believe that he is God, that he's able... And we step out in faith and repent of our sins and start to walk that out in faith, he then sends grace which empowers us and enables us to do the good works. So, true salvation is faith, grace, and works, but it's the order of it. First, the faith which releases the power which is grace which enables you to do the good works because the works are an evidence of your faith. The fruit is the, if you look at an apple, it is the evidence that you are looking at an apple tree. Mm -hmm. So the fruit, the works that you do is an evidence of the faith that is within you. Real faith will will produce both grace and works because believing drives you to seek, receive and do. Real faith will produce grace which is the ability and works because it will drive you to action. If you trust him you will seek him. Jeremiah 29 13 says and ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart, and I will be found of you, saith the Lord. And I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whether I have driven you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. If you seek for me with all of your heart, if you seek him, you will find him. He says, if you seek me, you will find me. We have to have enough faith to cry out, to seek, to press in, and not just take matters into our own hands. That's usually where things get messed up really bad when we start having more faith than our own ability, taking things into our own hands. Trust Him. If you trust Him, you will listen to Him. Jeremiah thirty-three said, verse three says, "Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not." So, if you really trust Him, you're going to seek Him. If you really trust Him you're going to listen to him and if you really trust him you're going to obey him. Matthew 7:21 says not every one that saith unto me lord lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven but he that doeth the will of my father which is in heaven. Many shall say unto me in that day lord lord have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will i profess unto them i never knew you depart from me ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. So real faith. We know that we're saved by faith, but the question is, is, do we really have faith? Because real faith will cause you to seek him, it will cause you to listen to him, and it will cause you to obey him. And real faith will cause you to trust him. You might say, well, I don't think I have enough faith. Guess what? You can ask him for that too. You know, there was a man in Jesus' time where he went up and he said, Lord, help mine unbelief. Give me more faith. But most times you need to exercise your faith, which is to step out in that faith, which is to repent of that thing, which is to lay it down, which is to walk out what he tells you to do and trust him. You know, we heard a pastor say recently, and it's so true, you might look at somebody like a guy with really big muscles and think, oh, I would like to have big muscles like that. And he says, well, all of our muscles are the same size. He just exercised his more. We all have a measure of faith, but some people just exercise it more. You have to start walking in that faith, yeah. stepping out in That's faith, right. moving in faith, exercise that faith, and it will grow. grow. It'll yeah. grow. Right. So when will you start trusting him? When you come to realize that he loves you and really does want to save you that he really did suffer to set you free, uh, that you are really heading for sure damnation and judgment, and he wants to deliver you from it. But you have to believe that enough to leave your carnal master, which is the devil, your cruel master, stop being a servant to sin and let Jesus set you free by the redemptive power of his blood. The same thing we saw in our opening passages. When we start truly believing that there is a hell, that there is a heaven, That we are going to one or the other and we've got to make a choice with our lives, not just with our words. And when we truly believe that Jesus came, that God loved us enough to come in the flesh, to suffer, to bleed, to die, to go through all that he went through to save us. And when you believe that there is a damnation, that there is a way out and that he really wants you to have the way out and he loves you enough to give you that opportunity, all we have to do is trust him enough to walk in it. Those that are in sin or serving Satan, he is their master. The Bible says that those who serve sin serve the master of sin. So if we want to be set free from that master, we have to turn away from him and turn towards Jesus in faith that he can set us free, and he will. You have to believe that he brought your freedom and walk into it by turning away from your bondage, which is the sin. It all starts with faith real faith faith that he is God and nothing is impossible for him and not only faith that he can but also faith that he loves you enough to really want to because many people believe that God can but they don't believe that he loves you enough to do it for you they know I know God can I just don't know if he will but if you really believe that he loves you as much as he does then you'll know that he will if I do my part Believe enough to step out in faith, step out of sin and into the overcoming power of God's grace. So it breaks down to this. Repentance is a showing of faith. We can say we have faith, but we have to prove that faith. When we repent, it's a showing of our faith. Then salvation comes because of faith. The grace comes, which helps us to walk in that that deliverance. And then we start to seek Him in faith, We hear him in faith, we obey in faith, and we overcome by faith. Faith in what? In his love. We have faith in his love. It's all by love, it's all for love, and it's all through love. Faith in his love because he is love. And remember, real love corrects, directs, teaches, grows, and empowers. A lot of us like to think love just coddles and (coughs) enables, but real love corrects. Right. The scripture says that faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Right. I would rather be corrected by somebody that cares enough about my soul to want to no, help me amen. not go no, to hell amen. than be coddled by Judas's kiss. So I'm here as a friend to tell you the truth. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if you don't believe that it is possible for God to (coughs) free you from sin, then he will not be pleased and it surely will not happen. So many people have been told that it's okay to sin. And that tells you that you're never going to be free from it. He wants you free from it. But if you choose to believe that though with man it is impossible, with God all things are possible, if you choose today to be fully persuaded that God can raise anything from the dead, even you, your morality, whatever it is that's in your life that has spiritually died, then He will. If the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, is anything too hard for God? Is anything impossible? No. Romans eight eleven says, But if the same Spirit of God that raised up Jesus from the dead dwelleth in you, he that raiseth up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. And Hebrews 11:6 says, But without faith, which is where we started, our opening verses, our closing verses says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is God and is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So the question tonight is, where is our faith? God is able, and God has not changed. You know, I don't know why, but the church seems... I think it's because some people that didn't have enough faith to believe that God can do what He can started teaching that He can't do what He can so that they wouldn't look like they didn't have faith. But I choose to believe in a God that parted the seas. I choose to believe in the God of the Bible that He Open deaf ears that raise people from the dead. And how many you know the Bible says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever? God never changed. Our faith did. It's time to have biblical faith. Yes. And then we'll see deliverance. We'll see healing. We'll see the, the people set free. We'll see our lives made an example. So as we close, before we enter into prayer, I'm gonna ask if there's anybody that has any physical ailment in their bodies that want to have prayer for healing, to come and stand up in the front. And we're gonna pray because we believe that God is able. Yes, yes, he is. We believe that he is able. Y'all come up and we're gonna pray. Jesus, we come before you right now. And you are able, God. You are still the healer. You say it is the sick that need a physician, Lord. So you come where the sick and the hurting are. God, we pray for healing in these bodies right now, Lord, whatever the physical ailment need, Father, whatever it be that they need a deliverance from right now, we just say Satan, you lose those bodies, spirit of infirmity, you have to go, paralysis, you gotta go pain and inflammation, we rebuke you in the name of Jesus, headache, sore throat, everything that is not right. In the name of God, we command these bodies to line up with the word of God that says, be ye made whole by your stripes. We are healed. Your stripes were not taken in vain. You did not bleed and suffer for no reason, but we believe that you can bring healing in these bodies. Right now, we speak and forth send your Holy Spirit to do a work in this place, Lord, to begin to rain down and to touch these bodies. Now, anybody with addiction I want y'all to step up. We're going to pray and believe right now for the breaking of addiction. Raise your hands where you want. And that can be anything. It can be an addiction to a bad relationship. Whatever it is that God's asking you to lay down, God, we just thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. And we ask you to come and touch these lives with a demonstration of your love and your grace for a stirring of faith, that faith would run through these lives with a testimony that we would run through this prison, that they would be able to go forth and tell others that even after they wake up tomorrow morning they're going to wake up and realize i don't have that pain that i had